Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, July 12th. We are shifting gears and talking NFL futures and awards with Gibby. The NBA is over. It is football time on The Advantage. We got new music, a beat drop coming. Let's go. That was fucking sick. Joining me for our first convo, which we'll be discussing NFL futures and specifically the awards races, is the person who I had discussed NBA futures with me last week. Gibby Graves. Gib, how you doing? You ready to switch gears into footy season? I, I'm, I'm all in football season. We had the, the fantasy football draft discussion popping off today. It's got me in the mode ready to go for, uh, for football season. This was one of the few times in our fantasy football group chat, one of my ideas was not ho- met with horrible vigor. We actually settled <laughs> on the draft date that I chose. So, yeah, here we are. It's going to be good. Closer see to you, the season. See you September 5th. And for everyone on the podcast audience, you'll hear me talking fantasy starting September 6th. So people like Gibby can't steal my thoughts and know what's going on before <laughs> our big draft night. But, Gib, let's start talking about NFL futures. I want to start this discussion off with just some basic thoughts about NFL futures, just some approach to awards races in the NFL, things like the parity discussion that we were briefly having off air. Generally, this is a square betting market. You do not find – hold on. Brawny interruption. What I was saying is generally this is a square market. You do not find many sharps investing heavy money into NFL futures and awards races. These players are, you're taking season long bets. You're taking the most injury prone sport. You're generally finding an area with less parity in individual success and individual stardom as compared to team stardom and team success. In the NFL, you have a about a 44% matriculation rate for one NFL team to make the playoffs to, again, make it the following year. We will, by data, have 56% of NFL playoffs teams this year be ones that did not make it last season. So that really doesn't carry over into the awards races. It is pretty rest assured that Josh Allens, the Mahomes, the Jalen Hurts, and some of the biggest star names are going to be atop the awards races so as long as they are healthy and you don't want to portfolio build in this way because if they get injured, their odds are suddenly dropped off the map and it's a dead ticket sight on scene. So you want to approach these markets with a little bit of caution. You want to pick out one or two that you like. You don't want to go into this with a heavy portfolio approach like I just said. You want to bank on parity. You want to bank on stardom. So maybe we will look at some of the guys near the top of the list and maybe a flyer long shot. You have to consider who's previously won these awards and what the award details. We will get into that. And all in all, it is a good starting point for having an NFL discussion, to seeing how we're approaching the season, how we're feeling about some teams, some of the off-season transactions. But in general, this is not the place where we're going 10 toes down with big bets on things like NFL Coach of the Year, MVP, Rookie of the Year. It is There are spots of value. We will certainly hit them, but we don't go too deep into these waters. Gib, how do you feel about that kind of approach to futures market? This is a conversation me and you have every year off air. I think this is the first time we're doing it together on a podcast. We've been doing this for years and years and years where we sit down and discuss all of the NFL futures odds, but we always kind of pick our spots, not try and pick many spots within the same award, right? Yeah, I, and I think we we do it because we think it's a fun conversation and putting money on it is really, really helpful uh, and, and just a fun way for me and you to like sit down and chat more so than being like, this is a great spot where we think definitely going to build out our, our portfolio of bets here. 
yeah, we don't discuss line movement. We're not discussing this player moved in the odds and there was a shift. We're, we're not delving into the same indicators, the same splits and those things that we use for things like betting games and sharp movement and that stuff. So again, fun conversation to have. A great way to intro off the NFL season for 23-24. And let's get into this because last season, Gib, you had him in fantasy. I had him in the awards races. It was Patrick Mahomes who was a 4-1 to favorite at the start of last year. That's something that I want to point out is very important because now when we look at the odds today, the shortest odds we have on anyone, still Mahomes, is 7-1. to So in years past, we generally have the top candidates right around 4-1, to 6-1. to This year, they are more spread out. So to me, I feel like there happens to be some value at the top. What do you think about some of these top-tier QBs? What do you think about targeting uh, Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Jalen Hurts? These are the guys atop the list. Anyone that you're looking at right now? I really like Burrow this year. Um, you know, Mahomes is my guy. Uh, he always has been. I've always tried to get him in fantasy. But I just think, like, this year, Burrow with a, an improved offensive line, they got the, the left tackle from Kansas City. They still He still has his weapons on the outside. Um, I think he's going to be even more motivated because Mahomes won, won the Super Bowl last year. That, like, if he's going to still be in the same – try and be the same conversation as Mahomes, I think it's really important for him to win one of these awards. I think Mahomes has two of them now. Um, so I, I, I'm betting big uh, – or not betting big, but I'm, I'm – if I was to put a bet down on one of those three favorites of, of Allen, Burrow, and Mahomes, I'm going to go with Burrow. And did I limit you in saying that? Is, is that the guy you wanted to talk about? Is there someone else that's like, did I not mention like the Lamar or the Trevor Lawrence? Are you looking in those directions at some of those secondary elite tier QBs? How do you feel about those guys? Um, I don't love them. Uh, but if I was to go with someone outside of the top three, it would be Lamar. Uh, just because of his, you know, his better weapons this year. He had a down year last year because of injuries and and contract. All that's put aside, so now he can really just go out and play. Uh, and he's won it before, so we know he has what it takes. But if uh, you know, I, I don't, I still don't like them in this MVP award. Um, I still like Burrow, and if not Burrow, then I would, I would probably go Mahomes. Okay, so the guy I'm going with is Josh Allen. I feel the exact same way as you, where it's just. This team is filled with superstars. Uh, they had a lot. The Bills had so much that they went through as a team last year. We are, will get into some of the DeMar Hamlin stuff with comeback player of the year. Von Miller, big injury in the defense fell off last year. Uh, they always struggled to find, you know, a second or third wide receiver that would be comfortable there. Running game had a bit of flux. Josh Allen was pretty much the only steady thing in Buffalo last year, he also got injured with that elbow stuff that, that was lingering a few weeks, and yet the team was still amazing and, and knocking on the door. So let's assume or let's hope that the Bills have a little bit less distractions. Let's hope that there's not a crazy weather game that they have to get rescheduled and fly to Detroit for. Like, they had so much shit happen to them last year. They had the coin toss situation in the playoffs, uh, like because of the Hamlin situation. All of these things... I just think that the Bills' season might just be a little bit more straightforward. And for that reason, Josh Allen might be humming along. And plus 700 on FanDuel, plus 800 on DraftKings, plus 900 on BetRivers. I do not have a BetRivers account, uh, so I will be placing this on DraftKings at the plus 800 with the best number that I have access to. But if you could have told me that the way I look at this, Gabe, like if I could have Josh Allen to win – MVP once over the next eight years, or if you sim re-simulated this single season eight times, how many times would Josh Allen win the award? Is it above 1.0 times? Then I think the answer is a clear yes. I think give me even money on Allen to win MVP in the next eight years, or so at least once in his career. And for that reason, uh, kind of approaching this from like a investment portfolio, I just think the value and the outcome outweighs the payback that you would get. So to get eight to one on a situation that might be six to one, I think it's positive value on Josh Allen. I have, I have two questions following that. First, yep. 
for the MVP award, right? Specifically the MVP award. How much do you take into account storyline? Like the potential storyline of the Bills next year. Like it's a it's a you mentioned all the things that happen. It's a big storyline. They could be like a fan favorite. They could be a media favorite. And I think the me I think this is the media who votes on it. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, how much do you take into account potential storylines preseason impacting MVP down the line? So I think it's a fantastic question because a lot of these awards are narrative driven. So things like comeback player of the year, things like Brian Dayball winning coach of the year, like he should not have been the coach of the year last year. Was he the coach of the year or was it McDaniel? I'll have to look that up. Um, It was Dayball. I I think these awards are very, it was Dayball? Yeah, it shouldn't have been. Uh, These awards are very narrative driven. And so for that reason, maybe a little bit more than usual MVP, where we're just so convinced it's clearly going to be the best quarterback who runs away with it. I don't. I, yeah, if, if it's very close between two guys, maybe there's a narrative edge to it. I don't crazy overlook that. I just I just more consider like the MVP award give is who was the best quarterback this year? Who was the quarterback on the most successful team who did fantastic? Right. So like. Let's even, like, if you were going to long shot this from an MVP perspective, let me flip that question around and re-ask you something. If you were going to approach this and say, I'm going to take an MVP long shot, are you looking for that skill position player that might have a Jonathan Taylor Cooper Cup season where their name is still there at the end of the season where you can then use to hedge the other QB that is, like, top two or three? Or are you looking at a long shot QB to come through because – it's been a QB that's won this award 15 of the last 16 years, Gib. Do you know who the one who didn't do it was? Do you remember? Adrian Peterson. Do you remember the situation in which Adrian Peterson was, was returning from? Did he tear his ACL? Tore his ACL the year before in like week 16 or something. Comes back week one and still has a 2,000-yard season. So that man is um, Iron Man. He's not real. Uh, he's a superhero. <laughs> So I don't think we can, you know, look to the Derrick Henrys and the and the, the other people. So you, you were you were shaking your head. No, you're not going to look at a skill position player for a long shot. You'd rather find a different quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about most recent years, right? With when Rodgers won two years ago, and Cooper Cup had his season. I yep. thought Rodgers had a really really good year. He was my quarterback of fan. He had a really good year, but Cooper Cup was absolutely dominant and still did not win. So I think there's a better chance that a quarterback like like Aaron Rodgers this year on the Jets or Lamar balls out, and they would win the MVP. Right. I kind of agree with you, Gib, that it, there's a, definitely a greater likelihood of, a, of an Aaron Rodgers or a Trevor Lawrence or a, you know, I don't, I don't even know who to even say, like – could it be Deshaun Watson, 25 to 1? Could it be Dak Prescott, 16 to 1? But the other way to approach this is just like if you had nailed that Cooper Cup situation and it was 300 to 1 before that season started for Cooper Cup, then you know you're walking into those final few weeks of the season and it was down to Aaron Rodgers and Cooper Cup. And then you're just absolutely slamming the Rodgers line and locking in profit. So if you do select the right position player whose name happens to just be in the race at such long odds, you will find yourself locking in profit. But also if you just happen to choose the right QB, you're way better off. Um, so you wouldn't look, are you, you're betting burrow. Are you betting any other long shots? Are you betting anyone else for the MVP? No, just bro. For me, just Josh Allen. I agree. I will be skipping any long shot quarterbacks. I will be skipping any position players. I wanted to speak on the gambling philosophy behind it, but you will not find it in my pending wager. So Gibby will be riding a Burrow 7-1. to one. Those are the best odds on the board? Uh, 7.50 on DraftKings. Okay. And I will be taking Josh Allen 8-1 to one also on DraftKings. Let's go down to the next award we are going did you want to skip offensive player of the year or did you want to talk about it i think you could just mention it but i don't i i don't think we need to spend too much time on it by mention it you want me to say explain we have yeah. no clue what this award is we looked at the previous winners sometimes it's the literal same guy as the mvp sometimes it just happens to be the best non-quarterback 
Gibby and I could not figure out what really classifies the, the award, and therefore we don't have strong reasons to bet it. Anything else I need to say? Yeah, I mean, if you have a strong, I, I would just say, if you have a strong inclination of someone who's a non-quarterback who's going to have an absolute dominant year, like that's like your belief, that this is where that offensive award would come into play. Non-quarterback. Yeah, I would just run, I would just run back Justin Jefferson 14 to 1, same spot. It's been a wide receiver the last two years. It's, it's seems that like the way that the league stats are trending, if it's not a quarterback, it's going to be an offensive skill position player. It's probably still going to be a wide receiver again. So you're looking at the Jamar Chases, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hills yeah. of the world. No bets for me. All right. Defensive player of the year, Gibby. We have Micah Parsons as the lead candidate at 650, plus 650, 6.5 to 1. He has been the runner-up for the Defensive Player of the Year two years in a row. He is entering his third season in the NFL. He's already been back-to-back runner-up for this award. Is this the year that he finally gets over the hump, or are you looking elsewhere? I'm looking elsewhere. I really like Micah Parsons. Um, but I, I see value in Nick Bosa. Now, I'm not fully sure what his contract situation is and how, how that's going to play out. But after watching Nick Bosa last year, he's one of the few players I've ever watched who I went, this guy is the best player on the field anytime he steps on the field. I used to feel that way about Aaron Donald um, a, a year or two ago. But Nick Bosa has that kind of impact, and he won it last year. And you see a lot of times in Defensive Player of the Year, people going back-to-back. Aaron went back-to-back. J.J. Watt did. Um, so I, my money this year is going to go on Nick Bosa going back-to-back uh, plus, plus 1,100. Plus 1,200 on FanDuel 1200. right now. You yeah. can get better odds there. Um, yeah, I think Bosa is in a little bit of a hold-in, so he's – at the facilities, at practice. He's not actually practicing, but he's taking part in all the league meetings uh, and team meetings. He's just making sure he doesn't get hurt before he gets a big deal. Uh, I think the Tom Telesco, the Chargers GM, has been pretty outspoken that he's very unconcerned about that. So I think Gibby is very right in saying that that Bosa number might have a little bit of reflection that there's still some contract disparity, and maybe he gets the deal done and it comes down to that 11 to 1 instead of 12 to 1. You're just getting an extra dollar on the dollar in return if it wins. So I definitely like the Nick Bosa 12 to 1 as well. My eyes here are Miles Garrett Gibb. I just think the dude, like we talked about in the Aaron Donald role and the Bosa role, for me, that's Miles Garrett. He is an absolute machine. He is just a freight train. He is a disruptor. And this, I like targeting these defensive linemen who get tackles for losses, who get sacks, who get strip fumbles. They acquire, they acquire a lot of stats as they play in these games. They have a lot of tackles. They have a lot of TFLs. They have sacks. They have all those things. They're often celebrating. They're dancing in the backfield, so they start to drum up that narrative award. Maybe the Browns are a little bit better. I think on offense, the Browns are certainly going to be a little bit more reliable with a full year of Watson, Nick Chubb. They're obviously going to be a dominant run game, so we would expect their defense to hold them and be in some low scoring games for those reasons i think miles garrett could be a 16 sack defensive player of the year are you looking anywhere besides nick bosa are you looking into a long shot for this award are you building out any multiple options or is this a one and done uh i have one long shot uh, and it's and it's just position based, right? So we both you like Miles um, Garrett, I like Nick Bosa, upfront guys, guys who get to the quarterback, as you said, sacks, strips. Uh, but I'm looking in cornerbacks, uh, mm-hmm. and who, what cornerback can make enough plays, put up enough stats, make a big enough impact to win this award? Certain. And we. Certain. We were talking about him the other day. Oh, he's the best in the league. He, he, he's so good um, that, you know, if, you know, I think for a corner to win, you're going to have to have a couple of lucky breaks. So say he gets two or three pick sixes or anything like that. He, he's right in the mix because those are the stats you need to go because people already know about his impact uh, in the man-to-man and zone coverage that, that he has. So I just, I just immediately looked up. Who's the one player comp that you would – draw up for Patrick Sertain. 
player comp. Yeah. Uh, like a previous cornerback. I don't He's know. Absolute shutdown. Yeah. Revis. So I just Google searched on the side. Did Darrell Revis ever win Defensive Player of the Year? He did come in second in voting for DPOY um, and f uh, four-time first-team All-Pro. So it seems that he never actually got over the hump to win the award. But I agree. If, if, if we're locking people down on Sertain Island like Revis Island back in the day, if the Broncos are a nice little story with the Sean Payton rebound i think the offense is is not going to be that great i mean russ looks atrocious so yeah I, I agree on the certain my other long shot give would be chris jones the defensive end for the kansas city chiefs we talked about narratives earlier this man literally tweeted i'm gonna win dpoy this year <laughs> so you gotta love when a player is openly going for an award he is establishing the narrative in the summer that if he comes out in the first week and has two sacks against the Lions on Thursday night football to open the season, Chiefs-Lions, is he suddenly a top three candidate? Do we get ahead of that odds now? Because he plays on the first night of the season, separated from everyone else in prime time, and he's been outspoken on this award. So I do think a little sprinkler on the 30 to one, potentially narrative driven, these odds can swing heavily if he has a good first game or two. Yeah, he's he's an absolute beast, and he's a big personality. So, as you said, narrative that that always fits. And rumors are Chiefs are working on a contract extension with him. So if he gets if he gets the bag right before the season, he's gonna say, "Let me let me show you why." Why do I feel like he's had sixteen contract extensions with the Chiefs, or he's always yeah, maybe the Chiefs do that. They 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 restructure Kelsey's every year. They give him the, the as much bonus money as they can up front. Now they like figure out how much cap space they have left. They repay all their guys and open up more flexibility on the back end. It's absolutely genius. Okay. The, the real thing, Gib, is I wish I knew what Chris Jones was before he tweeted that. I saw the tweet a day later, and I was like, okay, well, now I'm probably a little late to the party. Like, was it 50 to 1 prior to the tweet? And then he tweeted that, and people bet it to 30 to 1, and then am I uninterested? So I don't know what the best odds on that were, so I might go track that. But I'm definitely interested in a 30 to 1 or seeing if it moves down a little bit before the start of the season and then playing that before week one. Let's move on and discuss NFL Coach of the Year. This award is one of the ones I hate the most throughout sports. I despise the Coach of the Year award because I feel it is so misrepresented, mis whatever the word is. They never give it to the best coach. They always give it to the coach that is fairly new but overperforms expectations. So we know the... Belichick's and the Andy Reid's and the Mike Tomlin's are the best coaches in the NFL, but we don't see them at all in the top eight to 10 names listed in the odds. So like Andy Reid is literally the least likely coach to win this award. And for that reason, I think this award is mighty stupid. So let's, let's approach it from at least we know we are looking for a young team with a relatively new coach that has a chance to win 10 games. That is your formula to find the winner of this award. Gibby, have you found that team and who's their coach? I have found a coach that I'm eyeing here, but I don't know if he meets, meets the 10 win criteria. I think they're gonna outperform expectations. I think the expectations for them are very low, but D'Amico Ryans in Houston, new coach, got a quarterback, uh, got a D-end out of uh, Will Anderson out of Alabama, got some new pieces. Expectations are super low. So if they come out and win eight, nine games and blow out expectations and Stroud looks good, I think he's a good uh, a good bet at plus, I think he's plus 2,200 uh, last time I checked is what I saw him at. But he was he was a name that, that stood out to me as someone trying to put – Put money on someone here because I agree. I, this is not my favorite award to bet on. Same with basketball with coach of the year award. I like the criteria is always like a little off um, for who will end up actually winning. So Dan Campbell's the favorite at 10 to 1. Sean Payton, 12 to 1. Matt Eberflus, 
12 to 1, Robert Sala, 16 to 1, Matt LaFleur, and Arthur Smith, all 16 to 1. If we were looking at those top six names, I would go Arthur Smith. I see a lot of sharp movement towards the Falcons that we are seeing in the books, in the other spots of these odds. So I would say if the Falcons end up having that dominant season, like some people are projecting, Gibby's eyebrows are raised, like, does this really mean I'm getting Bijan in fantasy? Yes, it does, Gibby. You always get your rookie running backs. Um, so I would go Arthur Smith if I had to choose one. I will not be betting this award because uh, for the reasons that we discussed. I would say this is potentially the spot to portfolio the approach. Since the shortest candidate is 10 to 1, you have a few options to hit a few names and try and build a portfolio looking for a young coach, like not necessarily young in age, relatively new to their team coach that has a chance to win 10 games. Gib, I hear you on the D'Amico Ryans. I don't like it, though, because I don't think they're going to win 10 games. And if you look at the history of this award, they pretty much all do. So I just think it just is an outlier. It would be a super outlier to the voting history. Except for Dayball last year, who won nine. There's been two that have won nine in, like, the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. So, um, and then there's, like, random ones where a hardball will win it or like one of the most established coaches. And it's like, well, why didn't we give it that year to the, the young coach who won a lot of games? Like last year we had uh, Kevin O'Connell for the Vikings win like 11 games. We had Dayball, We had uh, Mike McDaniel for the Dolphins. And yet like no consideration for the Andy Reeds, the Tomlin who still made the playoffs with a nine and eight record. Like, are you kidding me? The Steelers, Tomlin did a way better job than Dayball last year. I'm a Giants fan saying that. Okay, let's move on from Coach of the Year and go to NFL AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. I just talked about the Falcons team. I just talked about the Arthur Smith potential angle, that people are loving this Falcons team. We, they just drafted Bijan with what, the eighth pick in the draft? This is the first time we've seen a top 10 running back since Saquon Barkley, who happened to win Rookie of the Year when he was drafted second to the New York Giants. Gib, are you going with Bijan? Are you taking the plus 300? Is that enough value, or are you looking anywhere else? I am looking elsewhere. Um, uh, you're taking from Mere Gibbs, you asshole. <laughs> no, uh, for rookie, for I, I love Gibbs. Great name. Um, but <laughs> if, For anyone who didn't understand the joke, that was my point. Yeah, that Gibby would take Gibbs. All right, continue. Uh, I just think one of the three quarterbacks – uh, who was taken early in Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, one of them is going to have a good year. Like, or one of them is going to have like an impactful season. Um, my money is that it's going to actually be uh, Anthony Richardson. I think he's going to be starting right away. They're going to give him the keys and he's going to, he's going to be electric. He's going to have a bunch of turnovers, but he's still going to be electric. Uh, so I think Anthony Richardson plus 600 is good value. But, like, looking at any of those three quarterbacks, I think, is good value. Uh, because if they have a really good impact, I think they'll get the award. Is Richardson really plus 600 now? Is it plus 900 on FanDuel or no? Uh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Plus 900 on FanDuel right now. So, I actually already bet the plus 900 on FanDuel for Richardson. I already bet the plus 900 on FanDuel for CJ Stroud. And I already bet the plus 450 for Bryce Young. So, Gib, I did exactly what you're talking about. And I just said the three quarterbacks in general are mispriced. These are probably all going to be week one starters. They None of them have a situation where they're even going to get a learning Matt Ryan year that maybe Anthony Richardson would have been the only one. We know Bryce Young's going to start. We know C.J. Stroud's going to start. We know uh, Jim Mersey has already talked about Anthony Richardson starting. So I think pairing all three of them, they're at four and a half to one, nine to one, nine to one. If you then subtract your two losses away from your potential winnings, you still have the, the, the worst being Bryce Young, which would be a plus 250 if we knocked off 100 from losing a unit on Richardson and a unit on Shroud. So people who are listening can try and understand the mental math that I'm doing here. You would still be walking in with a relative plus 250 on a Bryce Young ticket if he ends up being the guy. And if we fast forward towards the end of this season, 
if we start to remember a few years ago, Gib, when we did this and we had the Mac Jones and it was the Mac Jones Jamar Chase showdown yeah. of the year, they were basically even odds. So if we have all three quarterbacks with the lowest one being an implied plus 250, then if we get to that point in the season and there happens to be one other candidate, we can lock in that fourth candidate, whether that ends up being Bijan, whether that ends up being Gibbs, we have time to wait because we are going to have one of the quarterbacks and we know one of these quarterbacks is going to be in the top two for this race. Agreed. Do you, do you think, like, what kind of impact does Bijan Robinson or what kind of year does he need to have Say one of the three quarterbacks has a good year. Does he need to have in order to take this award away from one of the quarterbacks? Because when Jamar beat Mac, he was in. He was one of the best receivers in football right out of the gate, right? So, what kind of year does Bijan need to have in order to win this award? Do you think? Jamar Chase had 1,500 yards in his rookie season with 13 touchdowns. Yep. Saquon had uh, 15 total touchdowns. 1,300 yards, 91 receptions also. These guys had freak-level seasons when they won, Gib. Like, like top-five production in the league type of stuff. Yeah. Not even at their position, at any skill position. So uh, it would need to be in that elk. It would need to be of that caliber. So instead of just choosing Bijan to be that guy now, instead of just choosing Gibbs to be that guy now, I'd rather wait and have a portfolio of all of the quarterbacks and be able to find that later. Because I see no reason why it couldn't be Quinton Johnston at 25 to 1, because apparently he's a, the most NFL-ready receiver from week one. And the, the fact that he looks like DK Metcalf and that his quarterback is Justin Herbert. So... Could it be him that ends up exploding? Who knows? I just think don't we don't need to choose yet. That's kind of the whole philosophy here. Um, next one. NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, are we going back to the well with a Houston Texan? We've talked about D'Amico. We've talked about C.J. Stroud. Are we taking the Houston Texans to take home some NFL awards? Because Will Anderson right now the guy who the texans traded the house for to move back up and require the third pick from the arizona cardinals in the nfl draft is the clear favorite at plus 400 the next closest is jalen carter at plus 750 and then a few others tyree wilson witherspoon gonzalez lucas van ness gib where are you looking for defensive rookie of the year i do like anderson um i think he's gonna have a good year I think, you know, they're going to have to – I think because they traded so much for this guy and, and trading up in the draft, they're going to have to showcase him. They, like, have to kind of let they him go. They build their defense around him. Exactly. So they're going to have to let this man really, really go out there and show that he's worth – you know, next year's draft, you know, they have, is a great draft supposedly with the two quarterbacks, one from USC, one from UNC. But, like, they gave up their first-round pick for, for this guy. So if he's not as good as they think he is or they don't, like, put out stats and he doesn't produce, it's going to look bad on the Texans and it's going to look bad on D'Amico uh, and the GM. So I think, therefore, they're going to put pressure on the team to really showcase him. So, therefore, Will Anderson is going to be my pick. And I know it's, what, plus 350? Plus 400, 400 on FanDuel. Certainly the bit of the chalk choice choosing the odds-on favorite at the book. But at 4-1 to one return, grabbing that before, you know, if he is as good as everyone says, and if we look at, I'll, I'll speak on the guys right behind him in a second, like he could easily end up being like a minus 120 by week three because he's just so fucking dominant. Like, so I think grabbing the plus 400 on it now is certainly good return. He's he's going to be a, the centerpiece of a defense with a coach that Gibby just spoke up in D'Amico Ryans, who comes from a system in which he developed a guy in Nick Bosa that Gibby just spoke up from a defensive line perspective. So he's got the coach, he's got the system, he's got the chops, he's got all of the things going for him, the draft capital, the future draft capital even that he costs. I think Will Anderson is clearly one of the right plays. One of the other guys that I really like, Gib, is Lucas Van Ness. He is the rookie Packers linebacker. And I just think this guy is going, I think the Packers defense is going to be very good from the 
uh, football sharps and experts that I've listened to, they're very in on the Packers' defense this year. So if the Packers have a very good defense and he happens to lead the team in tackles because that's probably what he will do as one of the focal point outside linebackers for that team, uh, he is going to acquire a lot of stats. He is going to you know, be having multiple games with 10-plus tackles. He might lead the league in tackles, and if he does that on a good defense, I think he has a chance at 15-1 to 1 to be the other guy. Great. All right, we had a quick technical difficulties with Gibby's mic dying, and hopefully the sound quality will be okay for the rest of the episode. But we have one more award to discuss. And, Gib, this is the one we all came for. NFL Comeback Player of the Year with DeMar Hamlin, which I think everyone knows what happened last year, a minus 300 preseason favorite to win this award. I have never seen such a thing in the odds where a preseason favorite for a specific award is a 75% implied probability that you are paying for to win that bet. Without sounding like a complete asshole, I don't think there's any way we can bet on DeMar Hamlin at these odds. I think it's either an absolute no-bet situation or a say, okay, if DeMar Hamlin is such a heavy favorite then inherently there must be value elsewhere on the board. Now, Gip, do you agree with the don't bet Hamlin? Do you think Hamlin wins this award? If you're a voter, are you on, are you just voting for Hamlin already? Like, how are you approaching this situation? And let me just add in one caveat. DeMar Hamlin played last year and started pretty much every game for one large reason that Micah Hyde and um, who's the other Bills Poyer. safety and Jordan Poyer were pretty hurt the entire season. They are both healthy. They are both re-signed. I do not expect Hamlin to even resume his starting job week one of the NFL season. So I don't think we can bet an awards player who might get significantly less time on the field and not have much of an on-field impact this season. Now, I understand the story behind this, and I understand the narrative that will inevitably build, but I'm kind of approaching this as I don't understand why he's a minus 300, and in there must be value elsewhere. Talk to me about how you see the odds. In terms of betting, uh, I agree with you. The minus 300, I don't, I don't think it's a smart bet. Um, as you said, like Poyer and Mike Hyde, they're the starting safeties. Uh, and I think that they will resume those those starting spots. But this award, I've always been, you know how you have your issues with Coach of the Year? I have issues with this award. Because Comeback Player of the Year, coming back from what? I'm looking at these odds here. Like, Russell Wilson, did he get hurt last year? Or did he just have a bad year? And He's you're coming, coming back, back from, from a... <laughs> You're coming back from like what does that even mean? Like that does like to me, you're not coming back or anything. You're coming back. You're bouncing back from bad year. To me, it needs to be like an injury or retirement or something. And so I always have issues with this award. That's beside the point, and that's why I don't love to bet on this. But I don't want. I, I'm not going to bet minus three hundred. Have that locked in for the entire year, whatever, however much you're going to bet um, for a payoff. That's not going to be like to me worth it. Agreed. Um, are you so? Are you looking nowhere for this award? Do you want me to pitch you a few? I'm. I'm. I have someone who I would bet, but I'm not going to end up betting on this award. All right. Let me pitch you a few, and then if I don't give it, you could pitch me back the other person that you're looking at. Okay. The number one person that I would be looking at for this award is Foster Moreau. Now, Foster okay. Moreau was diagnosed with cancer in the late season or early off season to which he has been in is now in full remission and has just signed a three-year contract with the new orleans saints about 25 million he is clearly going to be the starting tight end we have seen other players come back from cancer and play full careers there was that guy mark something with an h he played on the giants who was from boston college a while ago he was a linebacker he had a great great giants career hersley. He, was a super, hersley. he was a super bowl winner for the new york giants um, 
while being a starter. So I think we can look to Foster Moreau. I love the Saints this year. They're in a division with the Carolina Panthers, the Falcons, and uh, who's the last one that I'm forgetting? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their division is atrocious. They just brought in Derek Carr, so they have a stable um, quarterback situation. Who was Derek Carr's previous tight end in uh, the Raiders? Darren Waller and Foster Moreau. So they have that connection there. And these New Orleans Saints come into this season with the number one easiest schedule in the NFL. So at 50 to 1 odds, a chance for him to be a significant part of the team. To have Taysom, is Taysom Hill still there? I'm not even sure. He is going to be the focal point of the pass catching tight end work for the New Orleans Saints. He is going to have the narrative of coming back from cancer. He is potentially going to be on a very good team who has an Eagles-like schedule that they had last year. The New Orleans Saints might be rolling teams. And at 50-1, to 1, that is an absurd mispricing. Foster Moreau is an actual good bet in this award. Did he, did he play last year? Yes. He played all the whole season. I'm going to look it up. Because what, him coming over cancer is an incredible story. But if he played last year, that's why I don't understand this award. Like, is it compared to last year? Like, I feel like there just needs to be more structure in this award. I agree. Um, he played... Why can't I see it? He played 14 games last year. Okay. But the games that he missed, Gib, were um, more in the middle of the season than the end. So it wasn't, it, he didn't miss the end of the season because of the lymphoma. So yeah, I do understand what you're saying, but the narrative's there and the 50 to one is certainly there. Let me give you a few others. The next one that I would, I would look at is also TJ Watt, 50 to one. He is coming back from a torn pec in which he missed the entire season. I think he was out week one with that injury. Um, the He is the third leading candidate for defensive player of the year. So he is clearly going to resume superstar status after missing an entire season. I think the Steelers might be a sneaky, interesting team this year as well. Tomlin has never gone under 500. They made the playoffs last year. They should be a touch better this year. And for those reasons, if T.J. Watt is playing like a defensive player of the year, then he's certainly eligible for comeback player of the year. T.J. Watt, he played uh, 10 games last year. Oh, right. He ended up not getting the surgery and coming back in midseason. That dude's a freak. I, I forget exactly what it was. He might have done it in the midseason, but he also had another major injury earlier in the year. Like, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. But I like, the, I like those odds. My last one is Odell Beckham Gibb. We obviously know he missed all of last season. He is coming back from a second ACL tear on the same knee. The word through the football community on Odell's injury is that when he first tore his ACL and got it repaired, the surgery did not go great and he never felt fully recovered from it. So by re-tearing the same ACL, he had it reconstructed with the same surgery, a different surgeon, and apparently the second time it went phenomenally well, and apparently he's way healthier now than he was during those middle years when he joined the Ram and was almost a Super Bowl MVP before tearing his ACL. So now joining Lamar, now joining the Todd Munkin offense, they have a new offensive coordinator, they should be spreading the ball out a little bit more. Lamar finally has a true number one threat. They have other weapons there, Mark Andrews, Bateman, Rashad uh, Zay Flowers, um, Dobbins, they have some skill positions. If Odell Beckham pops off and the Ravens are very good, we know he's going to get a lot of headlines and be narrative focused. I think Odell for comeback player of the year is also in play. Also, 50 to 1 odds. I really like that. I think that, like, to me, that is an easy, like, storyline to understand. Uh, could be a great story. Uh, and he can put up phenomenal numbers. Like, He's true number one. I, I assume he's the number one out there uh, in Baltimore and can put up big numbers. Um, the only other guy I was looking at, 
uh, because you said Foster Moreau, was John Mechie uh, in Houston. Second round pick last year, had, got leukemia out the entire year. Uh, I think he's 30 to 1 to win it. Um, but it, with Brandon Cooks gone, there's a there's a place for him to be a number one wide receiver in Houston. And if you're a C.J. Stroud believer and this guy has a great year, uh, I think there's a storyline there also. But again, he's coming back from, from leukemia, but he's never played in the NFL. So the, the definition of comeback, I, that, this is where it gets all confusing for me. Um, uh, but I do get, get what he's coming back from, but not like – Come back in the NFL. I don't. I don't know if it, it works, but he he's a guy I circled on here at thirty to one. There's other guys on here like Calvin Ridley's not winning this award. The NFL is not letting him win the award. Coming back from gambling, uh, Javante Williams is his knee is still pretty damn fucked up. He loves like tore so many ligaments that I don't think he's going to be back uh, this Breeze year boy? at full strength. Huh? You like Breeze? Brees, but I don't love him for this award because I think he's also running backs coming the year back from the ACL is a tough situation. And then there's also all the Dalvin rumors that are out there. So maybe Dalvin gets signed to Miami and you know he's not coming to the Jets and then you could hop on the Brees train. I would wait till Dalvin signed there for sure. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, 40 to 1. I don't like that at all. We've talked about Anthony Richardson. He's going to Anthony Richardson is going to be a flashy part of the Colts running game. So I don't I wouldn't go to Taylor because some of his workload is just going to go over to the quarterback. Trey Lance is not even going to be starting. He's the third string quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. I think that's absolutely crazy. And like Tua as well. Like what is Tua coming back from? Multiple concussions? Is he going to get concussed again? I think that's going to be a narrative, but a more hesitant, scary narrative than one of like positive and comebacks it could be any hit that just changes things right back to the way they were um yeah there was one other thing that i wanted to discuss before we get out of here did you read about the alabama baseball coach and how they were caught not about how they were caught i mean i, I know the story of um they were kind of fixing games for betting um but that's all that's all you. that's the extent that i know of it let me tell you how they were caught. We have identified the new stupidest person in all of sports betting. Previously, I would have thought it's someone who's straight up submitting parlays left and right. Subtle shot taken at Gib. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the new stupidest person in sports gambling, Gibby, is the person that the Alabama baseball coach was working with to fix the games. This man walked into a casino. He went up to the sports book and he asked to bet $100,000 on the Alabama baseball game, to which the bookie, the teller, responded, that exceeds the limit, to which the guy is saying, he literally told, it's on video, it's on camera, it's everywhere. He's saying, I ha no, you have to let me bet this. I have information. I have information. You have to let me bet this. So he's saying, let me bet $100,000 because I have information to the person that you would never want to say this to, to which case the cameras zoomed in on the dude's phone because he was on his phone trying to talk to the ticket counter person. They could see who he was texting with, and he was texting with the head coach of the Alabama baseball team about what bets to put in. That's how they got caught, Gib, because the person that he was working with tried to bet $100,000 and told the people, I have information, while holding up his phone with the text messages in it. Is that not the dumbest person you've ever heard of? Some people deserve to get caught. It's a great way to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that wraps up the discussion. NFL futures are underway. I will be back next week with none other than Fish Fisher to be discussing NFL futures and specifically teams moving away from the awards races and taking Super Bowl odds, title odds, divisional odds, win totals, and things like that. We will hit that next week. Coming up shortly after that will be things like NFL strategy episodes, things about how to build a DFS lineup, 
key numbers for NFL betting. We are officially switching gears to NFL season. So I hope you stay ready and locked in. Thank you, as always, for being here. And I'll talk to you soon. Deuces. We'll be right back.